Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald. It's Friday, January 31st in normally sunny Florida, but uh, we have been gray and dingy for the last few days. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group, and today we have a repeat performance from author and coach Michelle Phillips. Good afternoon, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Chiki. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you're you're in what uh, is not so sunny Florida, uh, also, right? <laughs> yes, I am. But I'm actually enjoying it because you know the rest of the country is in below zero temperature. So I figured, well, I guess it's better than than being up north. So well, it is. The but but my philosophy is that they pretty much signed up for that. Yeah, I, I lived exactly. in Milwaukee for many years, and uh, I have moved continually south over the years, Milwaukee to Denver to Dallas to Atlanta and now now Tampa, and I have uh, sworn that I am never going to go north of the Mason-Dixon line ever again. <laughs> Me neither. I do quite often for work, but that's it, and I come back home here, <laughs> thankfully. Well, Michelle, we we have uh, talked before on this program, and you had uh, authored a book in 2011 called The Beauty Blueprint, Eight Steps to Building the Life and Look of uh, Your Dreams. And we talked uh, a lot about the principles that were outlined uh, in that book. And what I'd like to talk about today is, is the new book that you have coming out, and we'll talk about that in a second. But why don't we start with your story? Sure. Well, um, I started off as a celebrity makeup artist 20 years ago this May, working for a CBS television station out of Tampa, Channel 10 News. And um, it was my job, really, to make sure that everyone looked perfect on camera. My boss, when he first hired me, said that 60% of viewers tune in to a television show because of how someone looks. If there's something distracting or something that they kind of turns them off aesthetically, people turn the channel. So my job was actually one of the most important jobs in the building, and that was because if there were any distractions, uh, people were not going to pay attention to our newscast, much less listen to the story. They're going to pay attention to, to what's wrong with the picture. And so I was creating perfection every day in my work, uh, and then I started working with CNN, NBC, all the big networks, Fox News. Um, I also started working on movie sets, and I started doing the covers of magazines, working with models and doing print work as well. So this perfectionism was becoming more and more prevalent, like I said, in my professional life. And then in my personal life, I was busy creating the perfect life. The perfect house right. that looked like HGTV threw up, you know, the perfect meals, the perfect kids, the perfect, you know, everything. And right. eventually all of that came crumbling down because that was a facade that I couldn't hold up anymore. Um, and when that did come crumbling down, um, I was at that point on television. I was asked to be a beauty and style reporter. And my marriage was falling apart and financially way upside down. And I met a life coach when I was out interviewing people, and they inter introduced me to life coaching, invited me to a seminar for women, for women's empowerment. And I quickly realized that I was completely out of alignment with who I am. I didn't even know who I was anymore. I was so busy creating a life that, mm. that 
according to what everybody else thought was the right thing and the perfect thing. And um, so when I started to take the steps to change my life and live according to what my values were, what was important for me, what was important for my family, my marriage ended financially. I ended up on food stamps and welfare while still working in the TV industry. (laughs) It was insane. Yeah, so... um, what happened, honestly, is then I became, uh, you know, more and more in the forefront on television. But the world of television, our whole world was changing monetarily. And the amount of money that I was living off of, my basically my salary had changed from a six-figure income to about the same as working at a local fast food chain flipping hamburgers. It was mm-hmm. that quick. And losing everything financially was the most beautiful gift in finding who I truly was and what my courage and strength could do with perseverance and living according to my values and how I created my own perfection, which is full of imperfections and absolutely glorious way to live um, by looking at what's right with my life rather than what's wrong with my life. Well, I love that you talk about redefining beauty because... Mm -hmm. You know, those of us who aren't blessed with high cheekbones and, uh, you know, who are who are yeah. suffering from, you know, the sagging and things that happen with, with uh, post-menopause and, uh, you know, we, we sometimes don't um, find a way to relate to the word beauty. And, you know, I, I, even today I was thinking, oh, wow, here I am uh, interviewing you and I am so glad that this is not a... a a TV interview <laughs> because you know I I have to admit I am not happy with the way I look I'm not happy you know with with my weight or my hair or you know just any of those things that are the typical things that add up to beauty uh, in in the definition of the world and you know uh, thankfully I don't live in in that place where I let the world define me but so many of us do yeah. so. And so many of us do without even not being conscious of it. Right. So when we, I, it really doesn't matter. I can tell you some of the most aesthetically beautiful people have sat in my chair and told me everything wrong with them. They don't see what's right with themselves. They only see their imperfections or their quote-unquote flaws. And our flaws are what make us unique. And if you think about when someone asks you about your best friend, you're going to share with this person, your best friend, in terms of her qualities, her talents, her personality and her charm and her maybe her sense of humor or her empathy. Um, and we never think about a blemish on her face or 15 right. pounds uh, that she thinks she needs to lose or her hairstyle being not up to date. I mean, that's not how we define who we love the most in life. Right. Yet we can't even think, we can't find that love for ourselves. And so it's interesting as I take people through my process, when they start to really figure out, and, and you know, it's not that we don't know who we are, but we don't really concentrate on how amazing we are. We just go through life going, yeah, this is who I am, take it or leave it. But then we, behind closed doors, we're beating ourselves up. We're going through 
you know, the voices in our heads that are telling us that, you know, maybe we're not good enough, we're not thin enough, um, yeah, I'm aging, um, I, and we compare ourselves not only to what we see in the media, we compare ourselves to our friends, um, to colleagues, even to our spouses, you know, maybe my husband goes to the gym three days a week and I'm thinking, ugh, you know, must be nice, but really I'm projecting on my jealousy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, because it's all reflected, every relationship in life is really about our own relationship with ourselves. Right. And so I feel strongly, and I've seen the results of the reverse uh, you know the, the reverse psychology really beauty is not chronology beauty is psychology so when we stop right. and just literally focus on how amazing we are and we start to think about in every given moment what you're doing to take care of you and that includes you know are you letting people take advantage of you treat you in a way that's not respectful are you doing things on a daily basis that are for you or against you? Um, are you, you know these? And because what happens is all of those daily exercises that we take part in, the choices we make, the people we interact with. At the end of the day, when we get home, we're tired, we're beat up, we're exhausted. We're going to normally do things that may not be healthy or right. help our health or our mind or, you know, to where then we gain the weight or we look in the mirror and we feel that we look tired <clears throat> or worn down, when in reality if we were that same weight with the same hair and the same skin, same outfit, but we had an amazing day and we're doing really well, we're not going to look at ourselves in such a negative light in the mirror. Right. Now, is that, you know, can we go through life every day feeling amazing? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> but the days that we have those difficult days, where are we being kind and compassionate to ourselves? Where are we giving ourselves a break? I don't know about you, but this week, you know, with even this weather, sometimes it's compounded. I had a horrible day the other day, and I just decided to just, stop at four o'clock and get out of my house and go do something for myself and that was just to go to the grocery store and buy fruits and vegetables and figure out something fun to cook that was healthy and go take a you know a walk go on a treadmill even though I can't stand the gym but what can I do for me for my mind right. and my body right now because I'm having a really bad day and the opposite would be for me normally would be to go sit down and have a glass of wine Right. You know, which yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I got in the habit of doing that a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's about really what our desire is in life and then what's the deeper desire. You know, my desire is to take care of me, and the deeper desire is so that I don't react as much in life and I don't have so much stress because all of that leads to me beating myself up, not sleeping well, not taking care of myself. So the key to me, in my opinion, of looking great is to honor who you are in every given moment and to figure out what's best for you and not what's best for everyone else, which right. has been very – we've been programmed that that's selfish. <laughs> it's, well, it's you know, true. I, I call it soulful, you know, that we're we're being we're filling our souls. <laughs> we're being true to ourselves. 
it's a new way of thinking uh, for many of us. Well, and you know, e- even even this call, and I was sharing with you before um, we got on the recorded portion, that I set up the Executive Girlfriends Group originally so that at the end of, of our weeks, we can just take a little time for ourselves to transition from the business person that we are into the person that we need to be in our homes with our children and our spouses and and uh, even in taking time with our friends and, and not being all wrapped up in all the business issues. And so the 4 o'clock time frame was really taking that time uh, to be able to bounce things off of other people. And taking that time for yourself is so important and doing things like this for yourself. And, and you know, even with the number of members that we've got, you know, we still have so many people who are just tied up in in all the things that they have to do that they really aren't able yet to free themselves up to do that. And and I really do believe it's a choice because if if they had a conference call on their calendar or you know a meeting on their calendar they would do that. But you know yeah. putting yourself on the calendar I think is super super important. It's true. We'll always move our date with ourselves around, but we won't move that conference call that we right. have. And I coach a lot of executive women. In fact, one of my best clients I've been working with for about a year, she's in Australia, and she owns a $3 million uh, real estate company. Mm-hmm. And she called me up and she just said, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know what's wrong, but I just don't have the energy anymore. I used to get up and run in the morning. I used to feel good about life, and now I don't know what's going on, but I just don't have any energy. I'm drained. I'm stressed. I'm resentful. I'm tired. I'm ticked. You know, so we went through, like, everything that she's doing and that she's involved with and even her relationships, and it turned out that, like you said, you know, you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said everything we have to do. She wrote down everything that she had to do, but then she kind of, on the other side of the paper, she said, what do I really have to do? And what mm-hmm. do I not have to do? So we eliminated some things that she really didn't have to do that she was taking on. And then she started looking at relationships and, and people in her life, and eat, but mainly we were looking at business relationships that she was having. She was having a lot of issues with her clients, and a lot of those boundaries hadn't been set in her life in general, much less her clients, where she was saying, wait a second, this is crossing the line of how I do business. Instead, she was constantly taking care of her clients and never having um, a personal life because she was taking on so much. And then she even had business partners who were bringing in parts of the business that she didn't even want having, even have anything to do with because it wasn't her niche. And she still was allowing it, and um, and but she didn't even like that part of the business, and so she was resentful. So when we <clears throat> drew some boundaries, kindly, gently, but firmly, and also she decided to have a real heart-to-heart with some of these people that she was doing business with and say, I just don't want to do that type of commercial real estate. I want to keep with this type of real estate. When she shifted everything according to what her goals and what her priorities and her values were, her whole life came together and her business grew quickly and Mm. all the negative energy went away. It was amazing. 
And so a lot of it is about us prioritizing in business, but I think we don't do that if we're not prioritizing in our personal life as well. It's like where are your boundaries in every aspect of your life? Well, and, you know, I I just wrote a blog about focus today, and I I reiterated something that Seth Godin had written in a blog a while ago about um, the the person who goes out and digs little holes all over town, you know, maybe is planting seeds, planting good things. Uh, And then the person across the street from them who, you know, they come home at the end of the day and they're exhausted and hot and thirsty, and, and the neighbor had gone out, dug one deep hole, gone to Home Depot and gotten a tree and planted it and was sitting drinking lemonade, you know. And I sometimes I feel like I'm that person who's going and doing all of those things. So I, I really relate to, uh, you know, to your client in Australia that, that and, you know, just figuring out what to take out of your life to make room for the things that would be good, uh, you know, is, is really more important than I think we really understand because we keep thinking we can add, 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 and and sometimes you get to your maximum. <laughs> right, and a lot of times when we're starting out in a new business, we need to plant lots of seeds because we're not sure which ones are going to grow. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes. But when you get to that place where you've got a lot growing, then it's, you know, I don't know about you, but it's almost like that gut check. You can really check in and get clear by just feeling it in your body. Is this something that feels really good to you or not? And right. if you're afraid to let go of it, where is that fear coming from? Is it a fear of security? Is it a fear that someone won't like you, someone will be disappointed in you? Again, you know, that's our perfection, that that trap that we get in, because we also can be afraid of making those changes or cutting those ties or just letting. Sometimes you can just energetically let go, and things right. will just work themselves out. But I think a lot of times we're afraid to let go, because of what other people will think or feel or maybe not accept or approve of us. And um, when we can get through that and get over that and realize that being more loyal to ourselves is really important, then other people will respect us more and therefore we will have, we will attract who we are rather than what we want. You know, Michelle, you you started out when you were sharing your background of, you know, talking about your career as a top celebrity makeup artist and, you know, your job was to create this illusion of perfection for the camera. And I I know you are very passionate about this whole deception, which is called perfection. And so talk to me a little bit about, I I know you're working on a, a new book and that, uh, you know, you're you're focused on this whole issue of that we are never allowed to feel good enough. In fact, the right. whole word enough is something that uh, we we can't really relate to because you're right, we're not good enough, thin enough, rich enough. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not laughing because it's like ha ha funny. I'm laughing because it's just it's 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 all consuming, and I don't even think most of us <clears throat> are walking around thinking that we're even programmed, but we are by advertising and media. I spent 20 years, like I said, working in the industry of creating that perfection that you see on TV. I mean, every advertisement, I worked on commercials for years. Every ad is, you know, perfect. 
because everyone wants to aspire to be a certain way. So if you've got the family of four with the house and the picket fence, I mean, everything will be laid out beautifully for you. So we see these things, and we don't even realize how we compare ourselves to them. And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have reality TV, which is something that was never existing. I mean, it did not exist when I started off in television. I'm so grateful I started off when I did because we did not have digital enhancements. We had a Polaroid picture we took to look at to see if the picture looked good before we shot it on film. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm from the days of doing it to where I had to create perfection manually um, as best as possible, but people still were very imperfect if you look back into, you know, the early 90s on TV, uh, even TV shows, as opposed to now. I mean, these videos are painted, um, Photoshop, everything. It's incredible to where when people sit in my chair, once they get on camera, I mean, they look very different. They're not, what you see is not real. So we're comparing ourselves to images that aren't real. So first of all, that's a myth. Don't compare yourself to what you see on camera or on TV or in, or, you know, in uh, print. And the second thing is, you know, reality television, what I was going to share, which is so right. important, is that this is humiliation television, in my opinion, most of it, that is scripted, by the way, most of it, and it's sucking people in because I think what happens is people are so tired of looking at perfection that then they can look at people that are worse off than them and feel better about themselves. Right. So we're creating a culture that is really unhealthy in how we think. And if we could, I mean, we're not going to change um, we could possibly, if we make a stand, I think I'm seeing more and more, which I'm grateful for, advertisements like Dove, Real Beauty, and Kellogg's talking about your size is not a number, and there's cool things like that. Right. However, reality TV is not going to go away, and neither is some of the perfection we see on television. So it's up to us to redefine what's right for us. And to be conscious of it. And when we have awareness, that's enough to create a change. You don't have to physically go out and change anything about anybody else. All you can do is start with yourself. And the other big thing that I feel that there needs to be awareness of is the social media. Not only have we been watching the media for years, but now we are a part of it. Right. We are now the media as well. We are in social media, we are taking pictures of ourselves, videos of ourselves, blasting things about ourselves. It's all very, you know, selfies. People are becoming very self-centered. Um, but then <laughs> yeah. it also is a way that people can reach out. There's so many beautiful, positive things about everything I'm sharing. However, it's how we use it, and it's how we look at it. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. So what happens is we get on social media and we start comparing ourselves. Oh, look at our neighbors. You know, they're on social media with their perfect kids and their vacationing in France must be nice. <laughs> you know, another way <laughs> right. another way for us to feel bad about ourselves. So if you think no, about I, all of these things. Yeah. I know, and even, as you say, the comparison of our children. I mean, I've got a daughter yeah. who's a sophomore in high school, 
And a couple of the other moms are posting, oh, we're getting college offers every day. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we're not getting them, and my daughter's an A student. You know, what, What's the matter with us? Oh, exactly. <laughs> right? I know. And then, yes, and <laughs> I have, uh, I have uh, you know, my husband and I together, we have five teenagers, so I, I completely get that. Now what I've figured out with, I, I don't know how old your oldest is, mine's 19, I am just glad that he's healthy He's safe, and he made it through high school. <laughs> right. He's in a college. It's not the best one, but he's doing what he loves. And that came from all of a sudden realizing through he went through a tough time in high school and wasn't, you know, the 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 kid that everybody, you know, was the straight A's and going to the big university and all that stuff. And after a while I realized, wow, I'm setting myself up and him up for feeling a lack of and feeling that we didn't do a good enough job or we're not good enough or he's not smart enough, which is absolutely crazy because I went to college, I didn't finish, I ended up becoming a makeup artist and went to school over in Europe, whatever, but I became very successful in my own right, and so what is success for each of us and how can we really pull back and get clear about, wait a second here, what is right for me and that being okay for you, like really making that okay for you and then not giving a darn about what other people think. And what's interesting is when you start living that way, people want to follow your path because they say, wow, you're so happy. You're doing better. You're (laughs) looking better. You have more energy. You sleep better. Yeah, because I'm living my life according to my own goals and success and what's important to me and I'm not trying to live up to a standard that is not even who I am. Right. So how do we silence that negative inner critic that seems to always be there? Right. First of all, uh, I write down what's coming up for me and I have my clients write down what are those voices in your head that come up, you know, the resistance, the excuses, the fear, um, it could be, you know, who do I think I am, you know, going and speaking or writing a book or, you know, whatever that may be, or um, am I not a good enough mom? Am I, you know, what are those, where are those coming, then where are those coming from? Where is that critic coming from? Is it because you're comparing yourself to someone else? Is it because you're still trying to live up to the expectations of someone else in your life? Where did you put those expectations onto yourself? So a lot of times when I'm coaching clients, those thought behaviors and patterns started when you were young. They started when you were a kid. Where in your childhood or your teenage years do you remember feeling that you weren't good enough or you weren't living up to someone else's standards? And it wasn't that whoever put that thought into your head was a bad person because sometimes it could be you know my dad saying who are you going to be a makeup artist like what is a makeup artist you know you're never going to make it as a makeup artist you need to go to college either that or just marry a rich man right so (laughs) my dad used to say to me and now my dad is my biggest fan what did my father intend to be mean and hurtful no But I kept that thought process that what I wanted to do was dumb and not good enough. 
And so what the process of coaching that I do with my clients is, what do I now know as an adult to be the truth of that? The truth of that is, I'm very smart, look at everything I've achieved, and even if it wasn't being a makeup artist, you know, kind of writing down your resume in life. I've been a good mom and a good friend to people, and I'm talented, and I'm smart, and I'm funny, and wait a minute, that putting myself down and still thinking that I'm not capable is not the truth. And what was it that I really needed to hear when I was young? I needed to hear that I was capable of doing anything I wanted and that I'm talented and I'm amazing. So now as an adult, I know the truth to be what? You write those things down. And now as an adult, how am I going to support Michelle when she's feeling down and worried and fearful and not good enough, how am I going to remind her that she's amazing? Because she is. Because what we do is we take on whoever criticized us, even if their intentions weren't to be mean. We take that on as our own thought process, and then we even amp it up even more. And we become our worst critic plus more. (laughs) And then we live with this... Stuff. And I can guarantee you my daughter, who's outside the door right now, will probably tell you something that I told her when she was young that made her feel bad about herself. You know, it's, it's children are innocent, innocent, and we as children or our kids don't understand sometimes what's being said to us, and we take it on. And we take that belief system on until we're older and until we free of ourselves of those thought process, you know, those belief systems we will continually hold ourselves um, hostage and and we will be the victim of our own, you know, basically beating ourselves up. You know, it's like right. standing on a stage. I can just see myself hitting myself with a, a whip. You know, how many times am I going to beat myself up? It's easy to say that you're going to wake up every day and be in positive thinking mode. Um, however... If you don't really get to the root of where this is coming from, a lot of times it's more difficult to release that and believe it. Believe right. that you're amazing. You know, I make my clients write down, give me, write down your life resume. Tell me three things that you did that were super, super brave, and you didn't think you were going to make it through, but you did. And when you did make it through, what was it that that helped you push through or make that happen? And then all of a sudden we start to realize, wow, I'm capable of a lot more than I think, and so I know better than to think these negative things about myself. It takes time, but this is the whole process I'm teaching in my new book, and this is the process that I use with my clients. And I mean, you know, I'm a very successful woman. I still go through these this all the time. Something comes up and I get scared or I beat myself up or think I'm not capable, I got to go through this all over again. Right. Where is this coming from? You know, why and, am and I doing And so this? does that help in, in dealing with whatever fear of, of, you know, the perceived outcome of, right. of what our worries are? Yeah. You know, by simply going through and writing those things down, is is that one of the life-changing 
uh, processes. Yes, it is one of the. It is. It really is. That's one of the major processes. And then the other thing, when fears are really coming up, you know, the fear is usually based on a past experience. Right. A lot of times, if we have a fear, well, what if this happens? Probably because we have an experience, or someone told us of an experience of something bad that could happen. Right, so if we failed at something before, for example, again, I'll just share writing my book a few years ago. You know, people are like, "Who are you to write a book? You're a makeup artist." Well, you know, I was I was like a top English student in high school and college, but that's okay. I never got my degree, (laughs) so in my mind, I start thinking, "Yeah, who am I to write a book?" I mean, really, I didn't get a college degree. I'm not a writer. I mean, you can go down this crazy path in your mind and then all of a sudden you can get fearful and think am i good enough to write a book i mean would my book be good would it be successful and in reality you know that's based on experience of in my past when i've tried to do some things maybe i wasn't that great at it and i thought what if i fail at this too um you know whatever that may be what is the fear and then what is the opposite of that fear what if the opposite is that I, re- I write a book and it, you know, it, the book I wrote became a bestseller for 30 weeks in six countries. And I've been very successful at teaching a process, process that's helped women change their lives throughout the world. You know, what is, the, I mean, seriously, had I let my fear stop me, I would have never pushed through. So what is it that your desire is? Again, I mean, is your desire to help people, then you'll figure out how to write a book. You can ask for support and you can go learn and you can, you know, you can figure it out. But if that fear is based on, am I going to fail? You know, am I going to be able to write a book? Um, You know, pretty much, am I going to be ridiculed, the laughing stock if, if this doesn't turn out right? You know, those are the things that if we write things down again, and get very clear, um, then we can look at that fear. Because there is some good fear, too, that we can pay attention to to not do things. I, I, right. I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, fear is also a go- – uh, um, uh, it's like it's a way of saying this is not right. Something's wrong here. So check in with that, too, because right, I also right. like to teach women the opposite of just, you know, not everything that you have to plow through. <laughs> exactly. Well, Michelle, when, when is your book coming out? And, and remind us of the name. Yes. Okay, so the book is called The Radiance Factor, and it won't be out for probably about another nine months. But in, okay. the, meantime, in the meantime, I am teaching this and coaching this process and you can go to my website and you can read blogs and watch videos and find out about my coaching services um, if you're looking to really dive into the process before the book comes out. And will you let folks know how to get in touch with you if they are interested in coaching? Sure. So if you go to my website is michellephillips.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S, michellephillips.com, just like the singer. Go to that and you'll see coaching. You'll see the tabs on the top. You can click on or you can contact me if you want to ask any questions. 
great. Well, Michelle, it has just been great to have you on, and uh, I look forward to uh, definitely to the book coming out, but I'm going to check out your blogs and some of the videos. I was uh, browsing through them before we started talking. Thank so, you. So uh, I, I do hope to get together with you in you person. You too. I'd love to have lunch so soon close. since we're not too far away from each other. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Thank well, you terrific. Well, I hope you have a marvelous weekend. I, I hear that by Sunday the sun is going to come back out. Wonderful. Good. So we can all get outside and uh, enjoy. Get some vitamin D. <laughs> Absolutely. Mom, all right, Michelle. Take care. You. you too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. For more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, see www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. Have a great weekend.